And I had to recognize that I brought some of my bad habits that led to burnout and resentment in my last career into my new career. That is also possibly why I'm not happy yet where I've landed. Welcome to the Career Relaunch Podcast, focused on helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers. We talk through their unique personal journeys, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to explain how she went from being a healthcare business owner and provider to project manager. We'll discuss what to do when the initial excitement of your new job starts to wear off and when the work you're doing becomes misaligned with the person you want to be. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll explain how the issues we face in our careers can often follow us around. Today, I'm speaking with Melody Mack, who left a successful career in healthcare as a provider and business owner so she could focus on project management in a different industry. One thing she's learned is working hard in a job that doesn't give you joy is just not sustainable. I caught Melody in the middle of her figuring out her new path, and in spite of facing some tough challenges along the way, she's still very hopeful for the future. Now, I first crossed paths with Melody because she sent me a very kind note on LinkedIn one day after being a longtime listener of this show. And in her note, she talked about how she was feeling burned out by her last job, the challenges of walking away from a lucrative role, and the complications of transitioning into something totally different all of which are universal challenges many career changers face. So I thought I'd get her onto the show so she could share in her own words what I think is a very relatable career transition journey. You can get all the show notes from today's conversation at careerrelaunch.net slash 88. Melody spoke with me from Denver, Colorado. Hello, Melody. Welcome to Career Relaunch. It is great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Let's get started by talking a little bit about what you're up to at this moment. Can you just give me a glimpse into what's been keeping you busy in your personal life and also your professional life? Actually, this is the first time in 14 years that I haven't been on call in some capacity. So my greatest joy is being able to not have my phone on me. I'm spending time reading and taking long walks. And I've even started taking cooking classes. In my career, I am a senior project management consultant for a small group out of Denver, Colorado. My current contract is with a school district. I'm having a lot of fun working with some incredible people and learning every single day that keeps me very much on my toes. And you mentioned that you were on call a lot in your past life. We are going to get into more details on your past history in a moment, but what sort of things would you be on call for? I was working two leadership roles, one as a provider in healthcare and one as a business owner. So at any point in time, either there was the fire to put out for the business or I was actually on call to provide services for a hospital. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is just like personally, you said you've got a little bit of space for hobbies right now and to kind of have a little bit of breathing room. What are you enjoying doing with your free time right now? Naps are great. (laughs) Never hurts. Yeah. (laughs) Reading and 
I've been looking for new opportunities to learn something that I haven't done before. And a lot of it is interjected with just fun. For example, there's an event in a couple weeks where there's an outdoor movie being shown, but they'll also have goats running around. So things like that that are a little outside of the norm, but something that will just be fun. Okay. I had lost a little bit of joy in my career and now I'm just seeking new opportunities and having fun. Very good to hear. Okay, well, let's talk about your past and let's talk about your previous career chapters. You have not always been a senior project manager. Could you tell me a little bit about your time back in the day when you were working in neurodiagnostics and then we can move forward from there? Well, I got a great opportunity 14 years ago to apply to be an interoperative neuromonitoring technologist, which is a healthcare technology position where you work in the operating room monitoring brain and spine. And I got that opportunity without having a graduate degree, which was a dream for me to be in healthcare. It required a lot of call, a lot of travel, and a lot of agility. But along the way, I got a chance to co-found a company with one of my bosses. And that's where that second role came in, where I was working as a provider, but I also co-founded a neurodiagnostics company. It was exciting. It was something I never thought I'd get a chance to do, but it was good old fashioned hard work. And you mentioned that you were really excited to work in healthcare. When you think back to when you were a kid, was this something you wanted to do when you grew up? It was. I was that little girl who said, when I grow up, I'm going to be a doctor. I got the chance to apply for medical school, and I was most interested in alternative medicine. I applied for a program to get a doctorate in alternative health, and the estimated cost of the education would have been $500,000. Oh, wow. And that was the biggest barrier to entry for me. In hindsight, it was the right decision to not take on the debt, but it did leave me thinking I could not be in healthcare unless I got some sort of higher degree. You move into this area of neurodiagnostics and you also co-founded a company. Can you tell me how things started off for you, what you enjoyed about that role? Well, first and foremost, I love science and getting the chance to integrate technology and caring for patients was exciting. Being in the operating room behind those doors that a lot of people don't get to see, it was a dream come true. But again, it was very demanding and a lot of hard work. I compare it a lot to what it's like to travel on a plane. If you're not the first flight of the day and you get delayed, you never know when you're going to leave or arrive. That's how a lot of the operating room time schedules work. So there was a lot of times where I had no idea when I would start or end my day. But everything becomes routine after a while. And a lot of the work I did was elective. So I wasn't saving lives. I wasn't the one doing the operation. I was ancillary to the team, which was good, but it was also stripped some of the meaning of being a healthcare provider for me. But the business side was where I got my project management experience because 
there's no way to set up a business if you don't look at it like a project. And I got the chance to try something that on paper, I probably wasn't qualified to build or do because I didn't have my MBA. But you could pick up on the theme that I was always worried about lacking that degree, that higher degree to prove that I could do something. But I was given a chance to do it without. And it was fun. It was exciting. And it was really, really hard. What was the most challenging aspect of that period of your career? Wearing multiple hats, being in the operating room, but knowing that I needed to attend to a business matter. Also, staying focused on what was right in front of me. I had a really hard time being present and caring for the patient in front of me while I was also thinking about my business meeting that was happening shortly thereafter. The more I learned about healthcare for profit, the more out of love I fell with the industry as a whole. Yeah, we talked about this when we first spoke about this idea. I know you mentioned you were in the operating room. You get a chance to see a lot of things that the average person doesn't get a chance to see. And I think the way you put it to me at the time was the more you were able to see behind the curtain, the less passionate you were about healthcare. Can you just explain a little bit about what was happening? I had lost my belief in what I was doing it for. And don't get me wrong, my business was very small and we were profitable. It helped me get out of student loan debt from my undergrad and I'm forever grateful for that. But once I saw what it would take to expand and grow the business, I realized that some of the nuances in healthcare and insurance building and here in America were just not aligned with my values. And I'm not criticizing anyone in the industry, but for me personally, it was a point where I couldn't sell the services because I didn't believe in the way billing worked anymore. And how long did you have that feeling before you started to think about moving to something else? In all honesty, it was death by a thousand cuts. There were so many little things over time that were difficult. Knowing the behind the scenes of healthcare billing, having a 24 seven job, working with other people who are 24 seven in a high stress, high intensity environment, and just the sheer exhaustion that comes from that. But there was a single moment in time I was thinking about it the last 24 hours preparing for this. I was on call for trauma neurosurgery and I had lost track and I had taken a long walk and I was about a mile from my house when I got the call that they needed a tech immediately. So I literally had to sprint home, jump in my car, drive across town, set up for work. And that ended up being a 17 hour Workday. once I arrived, I found myself thinking more about when I would get to take a break or when I would get to eat or how many hours I would get to sleep when it was over versus what was happening right in front of me. And I was having to work harder and harder to be present for my patients and for my team. And at the end of that 17 hours, I went to give the surgeon a summary of the case. And he said, who are you again? 
And I was devastated because I thought my role in the room was important. I powered through a big, long day, and it turned out that it wasn't what I thought. I was looking for validation from the team around me, and that's something that I have been working on in my new career, but it was pretty grounding and humbling. And that was the moment when I knew it was time to go. That must be tough to hear because you're investing your blood, sweat, and tears into something. And then for someone to not even know who you are in the room, yeah, that'd be really tough for me to stomach. Did you then think about making a change at that moment? Like what was running through your head after that night of pulling all those hours and people not even knowing who you are? How am I going to get out? Okay. What were you most afraid of when you were thinking about how to get out? I was most afraid of leaving the salary, which was a good salary, but it required a great deal of self-sacrifice and self-sacrifice had become my mode of operation. But most of all, I would be on paper walking away from a dream, being in healthcare, founding a business. And let me be clear that they were tied by my business partner was also my boss. So I was very embedded in this neurodiagnostics world with my partner. And the idea of untangling that was terrifying. Did you guys have conversations about what was running through your head, this potential whisper that you were hearing about maybe doing something else? What was that like? Joseph, I'll be honest. I realized that for the six months prior to me finally saying it was time for me to go, that I had become grumpier and grumpier at every meeting. I realized that my business partner was dreading having meetings with me because I would always bring in all this emotion and baggage because I was so burned out and so resentful at that point. And when I did tell him, it was like breaking up. So there was a great degree of guilt and awkwardness. His response to me was, oh, I know you've been burned out for five years. We had been working together for 11 So he recognized this, you recognized this. Well, you can share as much detail as you want here, but what did he tell you when he found out that you were thinking about no longer carrying on as someone who was really burned out in this particular industry? He was the same as he's always been. He believed in me when he met me the 11 years prior, but he also wanted me to stay holding up the two companies So he was considerably gracious. There was no arguing or begging me to stay. But I think it took him a few months to realize that I really was moving on. We kept in touch until actually very recently. I haven't heard from him maybe in a month, but we had kept in touch because we had become friends over the years. But ultimately, I think that as much work as I carried for the companies, I think he also understood that maybe it was time for us just to go our separate ways. I know you mentioned the moment that you experienced in the hospital when you realized you had to make a change. Was there a moment when you realized that as much as you wanted to continue to work, I guess, with this 
co-founder of yours and to continue to work on this project you'd invested years into, was there a moment when you realized that that wasn't working for you, the, the building of this business that you had built from scratch? Yes, and there's a lot to it, but I'll summarize it this way. I knew that I didn't have the capabilities to grow the company in the way that it would take to be successful. I also had fallen out of love with that service line. And the hardest part of leaving that were the people that my team there were such incredible and hardworking and they, they sacrificed a lot to make it what it was. But ultimately, leaving both companies gave other people an opportunity to lead. I have always been curious, Melody, about what it's like, because I've never been in this particular situation where you actually create the business or the product or the service, and you are building this thing. You are raising this like you would a baby. In some <laughs> ways, it is your sort of metaphorical baby. Can you try to put into words, I know this must be tough, but can you put into words what it's like to say farewell to that and to just hand it over to some other person who probably feels like some random individual who hasn't been involved from the very start? It was really hard. I was actually flew down to another city to tell my right-hand person, my right-hand team member in person that I was leaving. And I was in the airport Googling how to leave a company that you co-founded. <laughs> Literally, I was grasping at straws and I felt better about it by creating new leadership positions for individuals who had been dedicating a lot and pouring into that. But nothing was adequate enough for me to feel good about leaving that. It still isn't. I'll be honest. I think about my team. I keep in touch with some. And I do still feel guilty for leaving them. But they're doing fine. And just to paint a timeline here, so we're recording this in mid-2022. My understanding is that it was in 2021 when you started the process of trying to extricate yourself from this business. I'd love to shift gears here a little bit and talk about that exact transition. Like that period when you decided, hey, I'm leaving. I need to find a way out of this. What happened between the time when you decided that and when you actually left? Can you walk me through those few months in your life and what was happening for you and what was running through your head and what you were wrestling with? Quick plug here. I found your podcast about last February. And that was after that moment of the 17 hours of surgery that I needed to look for that external support. So thank you. You've been with me this whole time. From there, I had already built a foundation in project management. In 2017, I'd taken a certification course in project management so that I could apply it better to the business that I was already building and running and continued with that and took a project management approach to everything in both of my businesses. But to me, that was the obvious direction, but leaving 
a leadership position. I held two of them for 11 years is a very difficult and takes a lot of planning. I think from when I said I was leaving to my last day, it was probably April to July. And then I did some freebie consulting for the team afterwards with some questions. I think until January, just little odds and ends and questions. And along the way, I drank a lot of wine. I probably (laughs) talked about it to everyone that I knew. I exhausted my support system by talking about it because it was the only thing I could think about. And you know what? Ultimately, when I when I did tell people I was moving on, it was just a collective sigh of relief. People were like, oh, thank goodness. Melody's finally going to move. <laughs> so like, when you say people like friends and family. Who, yeah, who had, my support system okay. had been listening to my gripes and my grumpiness and my woes for so many years. And I hadn't taken action until last year. And... I'm so relieved that I did, but it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. During this few months when you're trying to extract yourself, you'd also achieved your project management certification. Is that right? This was in late 2021. I actually sat for my project management professional exam this February, so just a few months ago, but I had been building my project hours over the years. And then I put off taking the test because the application process in itself is pretty time consuming, but the application I completed last year. And then when they approve you, you have one year to take this exam. And like I said, the application alone is very daunting. And so were you thinking, okay, I'll get this certification and then I'll be set to apply to other roles? Was that the plan? I'll back it up to when I finished my last day, my jobs. I started a small consulting company just to help give small businesses, business operations and project management. But what I found right away is that I didn't want to be a one-man shop that I needed more resources and probably more experience to be successful. So I even got a job at a cafe because I wanted to make cappuccinos and do something that was not full pressure. No that pun intended, also, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was this fantasy to go back to my first job, which was barista. And I got this cafe to give me a chance, even though they looked at my resume and thought, you're insane. But... They gave me a chance and it was a full-fledged line out the door cafe and it was not a relaxing job, although the perks were really delicious food and being on the other side of the register, which was important. I mean, I was just talking with somebody who was telling me that they had a friend who was saying, hey, at some point, I just want to slow down and I just want to have a job in a cafe and I just want to serve coffee and do something that it doesn't require a tremendous amount of effort outside of the work hours. What was that like for you? I know you mentioned it was busy, but like, what was the experience like going from this high caliber job, but also role as a co-founder working in hospitals, life and death situations to not to diminish it, but serving coffee to people? That's what I wanted to do. And part of that was it was 
complex. I was immediately humbled because I hadn't been in the restaurant industry for many years and I had a lot to relearn. It was fun and exciting for about five minutes. (laughs) And then I realized that being customer facing is really hard and that people are either incredible or terrible. My coworkers were diverse and interesting and hardworking. And I only got to make a few cappuccinos. I mean, that was what I was in it for. And and it was harder than I thought. So I scratched that itch. I made friends with the master baker who gave me a 30-year sourdough starter. I only lasted about a month before, honestly, my back went out. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) This was quite the change of scenery for you. Yes. Before we talk about some of the lessons you've learned along the way. I do want to talk also about what's been happening for you over the past few months. So, so again, we're recording this in mid 2022, you got your certification just three, four months ago. And what has this process been like for you as you have now tried to create this new chapter in your career focused on project management? How's that gone for you? Just completely recreating your life and your professional life. I made it harder for myself by selecting to not look for roles within healthcare. I had some early opportunities by recruiters to do project management within healthcare, and it's not what I wanted. So in an attempt to reinvent my career and my life, I had said very early, I want out of healthcare entirely. So I didn't do myself any favors there, but I'd like to say that I'm a generalist and I've been trying to continue important general skills like public speaking in my Toastmasters club and leadership also in my Toastmasters club in hopes that someone would give me a chance to interview and say, you know what, Melody can do anything. Let's plug her into this industry. And essentially that's what happened, but it didn't happen quickly. And now that I'm in that, I'm still a little surprised and grateful that someone gave me a chance outside of my specialty area. What did you ultimately end up doing? And what are you ultimately focused on right now? I had a recruiter find me on LinkedIn for a project management consulting position. And the job description does not match what I do. And it wasn't even close for what I interviewed for. (laughs) I got placed in the contract with a public school district doing all kinds of things, but mostly I've gotten the opportunity to be paired with the strategic projects, which they're not life and death, like what I had been in before, but the scope of the people that they could affect is very large. I don't know a lot about public education and I'm learning every day and it's nuanced and it's complex and it's political, but what I'm focusing on is taking my general skills in project management and just having been in such a high stress environment and applying it to these projects, which are high stakes in a different way. And To be honest, some days I leave work with more questions than answers, but that's what I asked for when I left my other industry. And when you say questions, Melody, are you talking about questions related to the 
job itself or questions related to your choice to do this job or, or both? <laughs> That's an interesting way to frame it. Maybe all of the above. I would say if you asked me a, a year ago if I would have thought I'd be in public education as a project manager, I would have said hell no. But I also realized what was attracted to projects is because there's a start and an end. But I'm already finding myself wanting more. And that's a scary place to be because I just gave up more. I gave up two massive roles to simplify my life. And so what I really need to do is just sit still and be present and do what I'm doing. Yeah, this is a really common, I guess, scenario that people either face or are maybe concerned about when they're making a career change. So from the people I talk to, one of the biggest hangups or hesitations people have about making a career change is maybe making a mistake or maybe things not going as you hoped they would go, or maybe things not moving as quickly as you thought they're going to move or the work not being as interesting as you had presumed it would be. I'm not saying that any of those are necessarily what you're talking about, but how do you wrestle with this situation where at least initially the blueprint you had in your head of how things could be, it hasn't exactly matched up with your experience. I think I'm responsible for a lot of the discomfort in where I was before and where I am now. I brought some bad work habits with me into my new career, which include equating work ethic with self-sacrifice, with having difficulty setting boundaries around work. And not just because work is not demanding of me. I'm not shutting down the work thought at five. I know it's not possible always to just turn it off, but more than once my husband has said, you're not getting paid to talk about work right now. Why are you talking about work? And I had to recognize that I brought some of my bad habits that led to burnout and resentment in my last career into my new career. I have to take accountability that that is also possibly why I'm not happy yet where I've landed. I am really in a mode where I need to do some deeper work and not put all of my hope for joy and peace and love and happiness in my career because I sacrificed a side of myself to be successful, to pay my student loans and to build something. And I believe that it's time to build myself and the career is going to be on side of that, but not necessarily the central focus anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think when we spoke before starting this recording, the first time we connected, I think one of the things you told me was that a lot of your self-esteem comes from work. And we're not talking about you specifically, but just in general, people's self-esteem, a lot of that really emerges from your professional life and your professional identity and the company you work for and the title that you have and how big your office is in some cases and how much you've climbed the corporate ladder. And so I think it is very difficult to completely divorce yourself from your professional identity. It's just really tough to do. And it is interesting also to hear 
a little bit about your husband and his perceptions of you now versus before. I mean, have there been any ob other observations that he's picked up or that he's shared with you that you care to share with me <laughs> that have just been interesting and maybe eye-opening for you to hear? He gets alarmed when I don't answer my phone and that I actually ignore it now because I was so tied to it. I was one of those people that if we were having coffee, I would be looking at it constantly, responding to texts while we were talking and not being focused on who I was with. And now I'll have the ringer on maybe, maybe 20% of the time and it will be buzzing and he'll run in the room and say, your phone's ringing. I'll be like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but it took me a while to not jump every time I got a text or a call because it was that was how the hospitals and my team would communicate in the past. And I did block about five hospitals who were still calling me as of two months ago for services. Don't worry, I informed them first who to call. So nobody's not getting served, but <laughs> right. I blocked their number so that they wouldn't call me anymore. The big one is just my behaviors with my phone are different and I'll sit through a whole meal without pulling out my phone, which I think we should probably all be doing, but I didn't recognize until recently how what a bad habit I had developed with my phone, but it was a necessity of my job. Besides that, I think what people have known me this whole time have noticed is that I've become less serious which is something I would also tell my younger self is don't be so serious about everything. I've created this insurmountable expectation for me and other people in my life over the years. It was tied to career, but it seeped into my personal life. And I believe people have noticed that I have calmed down and relaxed a little bit. I still have a ways to go. I'll be honest. <laughs> We all do. I was just having this conversation with my wife before we had this recording today. I was telling her about my days back in Hawaii. And for a long time, listeners, and you may actually know this also, Melody, I spent about a year in Hawaii before medical school. And I was out there just trying to do different things. But I was just telling her I didn't give myself permission to relax as much as I wished I would have. I was really way too cautious than I needed to be at the age of 22. And so this does happen sometimes. I think this is a really good segue to talk about one of the last things that I was hoping to cover with you, which is just some of the lessons that you've learned along the way of this career change journey, which you're actually still just like right in the middle of it right now. If it was kind of at the start actually, and this is actually the perfect time that I think I would like to ask you about some things related to what you just mentioned about advice to your younger self. Anything else come to mind as you're in the thick of this right now? With all things, I would tell young Melody, this too shall pass. I did not spend enough time before I took this contract enjoying the in-between. To me, it was purgatory. I was suffering. I was stressed about what was next and what would my next salary be and would I be able to prove myself. And I didn't enjoy that ride in between, which was I just left a career. 
I sold the company. This is an okay moment to enjoy the ride and take each day as a day. Some days are great. Some days are just a day, but man, I was so focused on getting to this side of it where I had a contract in my hand and a guaranteed pay, but young Melody, if I could go back in time, I I would tell young Melody, you know, just this too shall pass, enjoy the ride and calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can so relate to a lot of the things that you're telling me right now, Mel. I feel like you and I are actually very similar in this way where, and maybe a lot of people listening to this where you just kind of want to get through that transition and just get to the other side and you like to put so much pressure on yourself to figure it out right away. And until you figure it out right away, you feel guilty about going and treating yourself to a cup of coffee or cookie until you actually have your <laughs> life back in order, quote unquote. And you're right. I think those transitions are actually really rare moments when you're in between these jobs and you can actually kick back a little bit and slow down. It's just very hard to do when you feel pressured to find that next thing. When you look back on your career change, what's something that you wished that you had known that you now know? And I realize you're still in it right now. I wish I would have known that my internal critic was not helping me, that it was holding me back and that the people around me who were supportive and said, it will be okay. You'll get through. You have a good work ethic. You have a lot of skills. Just hang on. I wish I would have known that they were right. And it is something that is a central focus of my self-work now is calibrating that internal critic when it's helpful, which is not that often for me. And when it's wrong, I want to believe the positive. I want to know that it will be okay. And it is okay. It sounds so simple, but man, I really ran myself through the gauntlet all these years and I am still at the beginning of the shift, but I can breathe again and I can see that there is potential that this isn't forever, this contract or this specific position. And I'm coming to peace with that unknown because I'm starting to finally believe in myself. And having been through this career change, last question for you, what's one thing that you've learned about yourself along the way, again, keeping in mind that you're still at the start of this pivot. What I recognize in myself is that if I spend too much time focusing on what other people are doing, I lose track of myself. What I'm learning is as long as I show up with integrity and authenticity, wherever I am, either work or non-work, people will respond in a positive way. And I will also attract the right kind of people and the right kind of work as a result of that. If people want to learn more about you or if they want to get in touch with you or just hear more about the kind of work that you're doing right now as a project manager, what is the best way that they can get in touch with you? 
Well, I'm on LinkedIn. That is the only form of social media that I use. And I'm always looking to network and collaborate. I'm looking for inspiration and partnerships in a very broad sense. I just want to be connected and around people that are positive, inspirational, and that we can learn from each other. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Well, I'll give another shout out to you, Joseph, for your podcast and your work. I am so inspired by the people you attract to your podcast and the interviews that I've heard have really helped me along the way. And I've passed them on to others who are in transition. And if there weren't for people like you, people like me maybe wouldn't feel as confident making that big leap. So just wanted to thank you and all your interviewees for their great work. Thank you very much for those kind words, Melody. And I am really happy to hear that the show has helped you. And it really does make my day when I hear stories like yours, where people have felt inspired to make a change, even if it isn't necessarily the perfect move right away, but that you're taking strides in the right direction. That's really great to hear. So Thank you so much, Melody, for telling us more about your recent shift into the world of education, some of the challenges you've had to overcome along the way, and most importantly, some of the things that you're still wrestling with right now, which is what many people wrestle with when they're trying to figure things out. So best of luck with your new role for that school district, and I hope you can continue to take steps toward what will hopefully provide you with that balance that you're seeking. Thank you, Joseph. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. I'm going to consider this for me like a closing of that old chapter because I've been holding on to a lot of things and I think I'm going to take this day and close that chapter and learn the lessons, but definitely move on. Thank you. Take care. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Melody's perspectives on how leaving a job can feel like ending a relationship, what it's like to let go of the business you created and how taking an honest look at yourself is so important. Now it's time to wrap up with today's mental fuel where I'm gonna share examples of when I thought my job dissatisfaction was being caused by my job, but actually related more to me. Before we get to today's mental fuel, I just wanted to thank A2 Hosting for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. A2 is the web host provider I use and trust for my own websites. They even offer 100% carbon neutral green hosting. For an easy, fast, and affordable way to get your personal website online today, visit careerrelaunch.net slash A2 to get 50% off your web hosting plan. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to pick up on something Melody mentioned about her carrying the issues that plagued her during her past roles into her present role. And I thought this was a really honest admission she made, that her struggles weren't entirely due to the job itself but could actually have more to do with her. So I thought I'd follow suit and share examples from my own career of when the issues I was struggling with had more to do with me than my environment. But first, as someone who majored in psychology myself way back in my undergraduate university days, I couldn't help but think about how all this relates to something I used to study in my college textbooks called attribution theory. 
So if you'll indulge me for a minute or two here, let's just do a quick crash course on what this is. If you're not familiar with the term, attribution theory is a topic many psychologists have covered, but one of the very first psychologists to coin this term was Fritz Heider in the 20th century. And he proposed that when making sense of things, people tend to either use dispositional attribution, where the cause of something is related to a person, or situational attribution, where the cause is related to the situation or environmental factors. Now, without getting into too much detail here, the gist of what psychologists have found is that when observing others' behaviors, especially negative ones, we tend to think of it as dispositional. But when we think about our own negative behaviors, we tend to explain them away and justify them as being a result of environmental factors. Now, I'll admit, like most people, I tend to do this myself. And since this is a show focused on careers, I'll just mention three issues I faced in past jobs where I initially thought the issue had to do with my team or organization, but actually the issue is me and my perceptions and my own hangups. So three issues I struggled with in my career were feeling like my projects weren't progressing fast enough, internal politics being a little draining, and organizational processes being a bit too arduous for my tastes. I'll just give you a few specific examples here. So going back to my days working as a marketer at Clorox, I remember getting really frustrated by feeling like I'd been assigned to a project typically handled by more junior employees for way too long. A few years later at General Mills, I remember getting frustrated by the nature of my work, feeling like it was focused on trying to please my manager's manager rather than the marketing itself. And at pretty much every company I've worked for, I remember getting really frustrated whenever I had to jump through hoops to adhere to organizational processes that I felt were kind of drawn out. There was actually a specific moment in my career when all three of these came to head, when I was having a kind of confrontational conversation with my manager at Clorox about why I hadn't yet had an opportunity to diversify my projects or brands I was working on, in spite of the fact my job performance had been fairly solid. And this was important to me because diversifying your experiences was actually a precursor to getting promoted in the brand management world. And I remember almost being mad about it. And I sent a kind of aggressive email to my manager about it. And to this day, I regret doing this. And Linda, if you're listening to this, I actually still kind of feel bad about this to this day. Because I only later learned that one reason I was being held in place was because behind the scenes, the rest of my team was about to be laid off. And the only thing that was preventing that from happening to me was the fact that Linda, my manager, was making the case I needed to remain on to manage some key projects assigned to me. Now, at first, I just blamed the organization or the team or the dynamics of the company culture for my frustrations. But over time, I started to realize the issue was actually more to do with me than the situation I was in. I realized that I myself was a bit impatient as an employee, 
which was kind of hard for me to admit to myself because I actually pride myself in my personal life, at least, as being someone who has a lot of patience. But in a work context, I found I had less of it. I realized that I also just don't deal well with politics in general. It sometimes just felt like a game I didn't want to play. And also, I think I actually just struggle to fall in line sometimes to navigate long organizational processes when I deep down don't feel like those processes work well for me, putting aside the fact that they may actually serve the organization quite well. Now, once I realized these things, which took me a long time actually, I decided that the only real solution here was for me to either drop these hangups that I was holding on to myself or branch off on my own. For me, I ultimately decided to do the latter. The reality is that job frustrations or career dissatisfaction are a result of both your own preferences, issues, and baggage that you might be carrying around and the organizational environment or job situation you find yourself in. The question to ask yourself is whether you find that the issues that may be leading to discomfort or dissatisfaction in your life or career are just following you around from job to job or company to company. Blaming it solely on your situation is probably easier to do and in fact more natural to do. But if you can bring yourself to take a long hard look at how much of the issue may have more to do with you, it might enable you to make some professional choices that allow you to feel more at peace, less conflicted, and certainly less stressed. This takes me to a quote from Deepak Chopra. When you blame and criticize others, you are avoiding some truth about yourself. So my challenge to you is to try and take an honest look at one of the persistent issues you've been struggling with in your career that seems to have followed you around for quite some time. How much of it is genuinely a result of the specific organization you work for or the specific environment you're in at this moment? And how much of it has to do with you, your expectations, your beliefs, your blueprint of how things should be Try to take one action over something you can control to help you manage those things you can't control. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, I'd appreciate your positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, which helps more people around the world like you discover the show. And if you have a question about career change you want me to address, or if you have a story of career change in your own life you would like to share, I'd love for you to leave me a voicemail with your thoughts at careerrelaunch.net slash 88, where you can also find a summary of my discussion with Melody and learn more about her. Again, you can find the links to do all this at careerrelaunch.net slash 88. Thanks so much for being part of the Career Relaunch community. And a special thanks again to Melody Mack for sharing her honest story with us today from Denver. This episode was mixed by Liam McKenzie. Today's music was curated by Jonathan Rinaldi Pohl, and the Career Relaunch theme song was written and performed by Electrocardiogram. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll talk to you next time.